the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. A few days ago, my goddaughter called me on the phone. I call her my goddaughter. I sort of adopted her as a goddaughter. I baptized her when she was 11. She is an Episcopal priest now living in, in, um, on the West Coast and has just had a baby. So she was calling to tell me what her life was like. Her baby, little Parker, is four months old. So while she was talking, he was nursing and laughing and giggling and burping and making all kinds of sounds over the telephone, which was just a joy. It was so uh, beautiful to hear that new little life, um, that sound of, of that baby, so happy. During this season, I often think about what it was like for Mary. She was almost living in two different realms. On the one hand, she was just a young mother, probably worried about whether the baby had eaten or not, or whether he was too hot or too cold. Just worrying, like mothers do. And then there was this whole other realm. And I wonder at times if, if she just wanted to forget about all that or what she did with it. It says often in the scripture that Mary ponders things or she thinks about things. It's almost like too much for her to take in. So there she was probably trying to nurse the baby Jesus, and all these shepherds show up in the gospel for today and start telling her about the massive angels that appeared in the sky, announcing that he was the Son of God. And I wonder how she felt. If maybe part of her wanted just to be left alone and pretend that things were normal. And then, as the custom in the Jewish law, on the eighth day, Mary and Joseph had the baby circumcised and given a name. I don't know why they waited until the eighth day, except perhaps that so many babies would die in the first few days of life back then. So they didn't name the child until the eighth day to be sure that the child was surviving, was going to have a life on this earth. And they named the child Jesus. But Mary and Joseph weren't really the ones that chose that name. That name was given to Mary by the angel when the angel first appeared to her to tell her that she was going to have this child of God, it was the angel who gave Jesus his name. Just like it was an angel who gave John the Baptist his name, who told his father, Zechariah, that his name would be John. So this name, Jesus, was given from on high. 
And the weird thing is, it was a common name back then. Jesus, back in the time that this all happened, was like Jennifer or John or David or Catherine. When I was in first grade, there were four Catherines in my grade. I had to be Catherine, and then there was Katie, Kate, and Kathy. Just so the teacher could tell us apart. Jesus was one of those popular names for his year. But the name Jesus means he who saves. And a name in many cultures, including the Native Americans, is supposed to indicate the essence of the person who is named. And Jesus was to become the one who saves. A name, your name, my name, and the name of God are very important. They capture a piece of the essence of who we are as human beings. What is your name? Were you told a story about why you were given your name? Do you remember? In his book, Night, the Nobel Prize winning author Elie Wiesel talks about what it was like to be a Jew who survived in the concentration camp called Auschwitz. And one of the things that he describes in detail is how the Nazis deliberately dehumanized those Jews. They tried to strip away their very personhood. And they did this in a variety of ways. They had built up a whole system to make you believe that you were not human and not worthy of living. They crammed them into these trains to transport them to Auschwitz. Then once they got there, if they weren't immediately killed, they were stripped of their clothing, made to stand naked all night in the cold, hungry and exhausted. Their heads were shaved. Finally, they were given the same outfit that everyone had to wear the same thing. And then the culmination, the piece that was, in fact, probably the worst of all, was after all of this ordeal and in incredibly sleep-deprived and starving, their left arms were taken and they were put a tattoo, a number, on the inside of the left arm of each man and woman. Elie Wiesel's was A, one, seven, one, three. And from that moment on, he had no name. He was only a number, A, one, seven, one, three. 
No longer would any of the guards ever refer to him as a person, only if he were lucky, his fellow prisoners. And that was how they stripped them of their humanity, by taking away their names. Because a name has power, it contains the essence of a thing. And on this, the first day of the new year, I'd like you to do something radical, you Episcopalians. Could you say aloud the name of Jesus? Just say it, Jesus. Jesus. Yes. I think that in the Episcopal Church, we get shy. We don't want to offend people, so we don't say the name enough. But the name of Jesus has power. It contains the essence, a piece of the divine within it. And Christians have believed this for thousands of years. Today is a feast day. It is the feast of the holy name. It is the eighth day of Christmas. It is the day that Jesus was given the name of? Amen. Hallelujah. In the scripture, it says that there is nothing more offensive to God than if you use the name of God in vain, if you use it as a swear word or to insult someone. It is incredibly insulting to God when you do that. And on the flip side, if you say the name of Jesus, it draws your heart and your mind to God. If you speak that name aloud, it edifies you. In the same way, when you speak aloud the names of people that you love, but you gossip about them or slander them or malign them, it hurts you and it hurts them. Words have power. Names have power. What if this year... You are to speak aloud the names of the people you love as prayer to edify them every day. When I meet with parents of, of babies who are being baptized, I will say to them, I want you to speak aloud the name of your child every day in prayer. And even in the baptism service, I will often say to the parents, name this child and they will give me their Christian name. And before we baptize them, we say their name, and we pour that water over their heads. Because you are named. And not only that, but God gave human beings the power to name, not only our children, but if you remember, we gave Adam the power to name the creatures of the earth. And God named and God said, let there be light. Let there be creatures. Let there be earth and soil and sky. You have the power to name others, to edify them. Have you ever looked directly in the face of the person you love and just said their name and felt that power? That something, that mysterious something that moves between you, you know what that is. That's the Logos. That's God. 
That is love incarnate passing between you and the one you love. When you say their name, Have you ever traveled to a foreign land where no one knew your name? And have you experienced that feeling of feeling like you're going to disappear because no one knows your name? I want you this year to say the names of the people you love out loud in praise and thanksgiving and to say the holy name of without shame or fear. Not because you're trying to make someone feel bad, but because you love him and you want to speak his name out of joy and gratitude. And in the speaking of that name, to have your hearts be filled with love. I love that beautiful hymn that we sang this morning. At the name of Jesus, Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess him, king of glory now. He is our savior. Let us not be ashamed to say his name. Amen.